All right. Yay. We're recording. Excellent. Okay. Hi, Johnny. Hey, Megan. How are you? You know, I'm just hanging in there. It feels like I saw this meme the other day that was like January, February, quarantine, December. And I was like, this speaks to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like it's been, <laughs> it's been so much and it's been super long and just like every day feels like an eternity. But then I also don't understand how it's Thanksgiving next week. So there's just a lot. I know there's a lot. Do you feel, I haven't even like talked about this with anybody, but do you feel like what's mean and we'll be, we'll be back to normal by April, almost terrified. Like, like, should we go back to normal? Like I get so, cause I feel like we've just lived in this place for so long and, and have made it a sort of just, this is our life now. And they say, you know, in April, you'll just be able to go out and live because everyone will have a vaccine, which first of all, there's a million things wrong with that statement, but I get anxiety about it. <laughs> like, go back to normal now. Right, like what is what is normal? And also like, okay, so I, I, I went and got my nails done like two weeks ago. It was very exciting mm -hmm. for me. I haven't done it since I honestly started quarantine. And I have... I have actually scheduled it and canceled it like four times. I just wasn't ready to go. And then like two weeks ago, I was ready to go. Okay. And I went with a friend and it took me like an hour to get ready to leave the house. Like I literally <laughs> showered to go get my nails done. I did my hair. Like I would roll in previously. I was ready, right? I was ready to get my nails done. Like, I think I put lipstick on, like, that's crazy. Like, why the fuck did I do that? Like, why is there lipstick on? You're wearing a mask the whole time, right? And I did not mm -hmm. take my mask off. Nobody saw it but me. But I just think about, oh my God, I have to go out in public on an everyday basis. Like, what does that mean? Like, do we just revert back? Or are we going to have a little bit of grace with each other when we're like, I only have leggings now. How I, I, you're going to have to understand this in a meeting that I'm going to have to wear my leggings. So I'm really not sure. What pants are the only things that fit me right now? <laughs> but like, actually, <laughs> so I'm really not sure what's going to happen. There's that. And then I just wonder, you know, how do we go back to, is it going to happen overnight? Like, right. I mean, no, it won't because it'll take like the general population to get vaccinated. But I also didn't think the world would shut down overnight and March 13 happened and here we are still doing the March 13. So I'm not really, I'm not really sure what that means, but mm -hmm. a little bit scared. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm yeah. also a little bit scared. I don't know how you feel, but I'm hearing from people in my orbit. That they're not, and this speaks to like the good job that this administration unfortunately did. They're not sure they're going to get the vaccine and it terrifies me. <laughs> just mm -hmm. like, And this is like people that are like well-adjusted, normal, like vaccinate their children, all the things. I'm very concerned that we're going to be stuck longer in this weird balancing act between like half the world has it and half the world doesn't than we mm -hmm. need to be. Well, what are the percentages of people that get the flu vaccine? Isn't it only about 35% of the population? Oh yeah. I think it's pretty low. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about that and then how people have reacted to this virus, I just can't imagine it's going to be that same percentage. But then there's also the question of, are they saying they won't get it if it's a Trump rushed vaccine or they just aren't going to get it generally? Because yeah. I was saying if Trump is just like, oh yeah, this is fine. 
I wasn't sure that I would get that one, but yeah. if Fauci is vouching for it, I'll, I will get it. Like pretty much anything Fauci, if I see Fauci, like get it on TV, like in his arm, I'll be, I'm like first in line. Right. But I'm also yeah. very trusting of the FDA and everything associated with that. But at the same time, I guess I get it. You know, am I going to go out and vaccinate my eight month old? Probably not right away. I'll probably wait and see what happens with kids, but yeah, I don't know. It'll be crazy to see what happens and how soon it happens, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. What would you bet? You think you think April or you think like July? I think they're just, I saw some people were saying that by April, it would be rolled out to general population, but I don't know what that means. I don't believe anyone. Also, I don't know. Is it like construction where they say it'll take a month and then you live in it for three months? Like I have no idea. And I've worked in healthcare. So I don't oh know. Oh my God. So that reminds me of like, yes, construction. Like I feel like everything always takes three times longer than you think it should. Right. So we are, we we're selling our house, which is very exciting, but we had to do all kinds of cosmetic updates to it. So we had to get it painted and the house painters were like, we'll, we'll show up on Monday and it'll be done by Wednesday. I'm like, okay, great. So I took Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and like moved all my meetings and everything like that. They don't show up till Wednesday, first of all. And then every day they did a small part of the project. So like <laughs> Wednesday, they power washed. That was it. And then Thursday, <laughs> they put the masking tape up and that was it. <laughs> and so they were here. I kid you not, Jenny, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the whole next week. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the week thereafter. And they were like, yeah, we told you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we were going to paint. And I was like, but like every other day you were still here. I don't really understand. They did a great job. Wonderful. Like five stars on Yelp. But, you know, (laughs) I do think that in the world, we need to start to get realistic timelines on everything. COVID vaccine, house painters, construction all needs to run on a very clear expectation of timelines. I need a very clear TikTok. That is how I operate. I want to know what is happening at any given time. That is how I feel. I mean, especially now, right? With mm-hmm. COVID and everything, I feel like I need to know all the time what exactly. All the time. I need to know. Um, and it's been a crazy time because we are now post-election. We made so it. Survived. We made it. And um, despite what some people think, we have a new president, which is going to be pretty exciting. Wait, can we talk for just a second? I saw today that all of these Republican senators have refused to acknowledge that Joe Biden is the president. However, they have been congratulating Kamala Harris. And I'm just like, first of all, I like this for two reasons. Number one, like it just shows to me just like how just petty they are that they're like, no, Joe, but Kamala, I'm here for it. And then number two, I feel like it's a referendum. Which is almost ridiculous because Kamala's far more progressive than Biden is. Yes, it's hilarious. But I also feel like it's a little bit of a referendum on Mike Pence. that They're just like, they just moved on from him and they're just like Trump won, but congrats Kamala on becoming the first woman woman VP. So this to me is like, very unique of a situation. And I just, I have lots of thoughts on how it's absolutely ridiculous, but I also appreciate them, you know, with Kamala. Mm -hmm, For sure. I think what's going to be interesting, especially once they kick Trump out of that residence and Biden moves in is kind of bringing it back to, you know, communications and all that, seeing what Trump does to keep in touch with his base and to get his messages out. You know, there's talk that he will 
start a news station that rivals Fox, that he, you know, is going to do all these things. But I think it's pretty obvious that no matter what happens, um, he is going to, he has a platform and he's going to use it. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see, you know, first of all, how the media covers his insanity after he's gone and he tries to drown out the new administration, because I would imagine that's something that he's interested in doing. And um, just how he continues to change the game, which unfortunately he continues to do. So I'm like nervous, but I'm almost like, as a communications nerd, it's like, what's gonna happen here? Oh yeah, like, you know, I think that there's been a couple of paradigm shifts that have happened in the past couple of years, right? So we saw it with Obama and his ability to mobilize digitally that nobody had really done yet, right? He mobilized with a younger generation of people in a space that they operated in and made it accessible to them, but also made them feel like they were being spoken to in a manner that resonated with them. So it was easy access and a voice and a tone that worked for them. And then that same thing, I think we saw the Republicans like tap into that playbook and use it for when Trump went into office and his ability to mobilize there. But then he also just totally broke communication norms with like tweets like you know we see all these things does a tweet constitute like an actual presidential statement like does it have to be categorized and you know put into the presidential statement capacity and so his ability to conduct actual policy and fire people like yesterday when he fired the guy from um homeland security just like over Mm -hmm. like it's crazy and so you're just like how is this going to play out for the future in politics but even beyond politics like what does it mean for corporations and their ability to conduct business over social media is it right is it wrong and how are Mm -hmm. they getting their message out there right Mm -hmm. so it'll just be really fascinating to see how this trickles out into the general population and how business is conducted but then will it continue to keep up or will we get a fair amount of professionalism back when we see a shift of administration oh man i'd kill for professionalism (laughs) right like i just actually wanted to be like calm and quiet and that's like Mm -hmm. a good thing yeah, I would love for people to just be like, can we get our message out via press release? I would say, yes, we can. <laughs> and uh, pre-COVID and Trump and everything like that, I would say no. <laughs> but now I'm like, you, know what? you should do a press release. You should. Yeah, like if we cannot get it out, but we can do it. It will not be that effective. <laughs> right, like nobody's going to pick it up. But you know what? Like maybe that's what we need in this world is everybody. Yeah, I would, I would love to do that. Sounds great. Yeah. But I think that that's like a good segue to we wanted to talk about today, which is like, how do you actually get your message out there when you're in this insane news environment, right? So when everything's so crowded and messy and noisy, how do you get it across what you need to say? And what more importantly, like with what we do, what our clients need to say, because as we know, they don't stop just because it's super crowded and noisy. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things we were specifically talking about, because we were kind of putting this together, I think there's two different levels. There's the baseline crowded media space, but then there's also what we experienced during election week, which was people didn't work. People sat in front of their TV or the number, I mean, now I'm a different beast. Like I always have the news on in the background all the time, because for me, that's like music. (laughs) But I also feel like, you know, if something happens and it's relevant to something I'm doing, I I like to be able to hear it in real time. Um, 
but every call I was on, people said, you know, sorry, don't mind, you know, MSNBC, CNN is on in the background. It's all I've been doing. I can't get work done. And I would be speaking with people and we would say, you know, we want to send this communication out to whomever, um, you know, this week. And, and the guidance that I typically gave was let's hold, like nobody is reading this this week. The only thing that people want to read about is what's happening in the election and your message is going to get lost. And not only losses will be wasted. People won't even know that it came through. Um, so it, it was a really interesting and challenging week, but at the same time where I, where I said messages are going to get lost. If you looked at your screen time for those people who have iPhones and at the end of the week, my activity was up, you know, my screen time was up like 85%. So all I did was sit on my phone and look for, um, updates. So, um, what, what was your experience like with, you know, the different clients that you work with? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a couple of things, right? So like, totally agree with you. My screen time that week was like insane, right? Constantly hitting refresh, constantly hitting refresh. And then like the one second that I like went to a spin class, like the basic person that I am is when mm -hmm. the Joe Biden stuff happened. And so, you know, um, but in terms of thinking about how do I actually tie my clients' news out there into the world, do you know there's a little bit of a risk you run in tying it to the election because mm -hmm. you look like you're just being contrived and trying to attach it to something to get play. I think it works in some capacity, right? So I have a couple of clients that are in the public affairs space and they specifically are focused on policy and how the election and the administration change would be affecting any policy. So, you know, I think that it with that regard, there was an ability to tie to honestly more evergreen things that they had put out there because you also don't want to go out there and like bet on it, right? You can't go too far in one direction because we honestly had no idea what was going to happen for a whole week. So it made it really challenging to be like, well, let's put out a statement or let's tie something to a policy change that we anticipate is going to happen. So that's really challenging. But then I also think that if you just don't acknowledge the election, you risk looking like you're just totally on not tuned into what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so while I think there's certain brands that can get away with that. So you think about like super consumer focused brands that can probably have gotten away with that, like come Thursday or Friday of last week, right. Or last week, two weeks ago, it was more like Tuesday and Wednesday, they probably need to shy away from. There's just like a, a tricky line. And that's where it's really up to us as communications practitioners to say, what, what value does my client bring right now? And if the answer is nothing, it's a hard conversation to have, but that's why we're consultants. And that's why we're hired, right. To say, mm -hmm. you know what, like, let's take a beat. Let's step back. Nothing you have to say is all that important. We should just wait. Yeah. And that's what I found myself saying, which was just, you know, no one, no one is interested in what we have to say on this given topic which will be impacted by who wins, but rather than doing all of this work on the front end and making predictions and then rewriting things, let's just, let's just wait. Like, we're not gonna be in a rush. We're not gonna get this out the day that it happens because you know also that the day that they, uh, you know, call the election, there's gonna be news around that. So let's hold, let's wait to get it out. Um, and, and, you know, the hope is that you work with people who also understand the political landscape and who can say, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be heard here. My voice isn't relevant. Um, 
but you know, those can be tough conversations obviously to have, but then on the flip side, what I laughed about very hard, um, was that I believe on election day, Erica Jane from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, her PR team dropped that her and her husband, Mr. Girardi, were getting a divorce after 21 years. And I literally laughed and I texted to whatever group chat that came to me on and I said, their PR person is trying to hide this in election years. Okay, so so glad you brought this up, right? Because there's the alternative, (laughs) which is you do it on a time when it's super crowded because you don't want anybody to figure it out, right? It's like Mm -hmm. the Friday, like 4.30 p.m. news drop that whatever people are trying to get out. It'll have a news cycle. It'll have a little bit, but you won't have as much, right? Mm -hmm. If news comes out about you on a Friday afternoon or a Saturday, you're good. Yeah, but it's bad stuff usually, right? Like, no, it's always bad. You want it, you you want it to be hidden. The goal is that if a reporter reaches out to you on, you know, a Monday, they you can slow them down until right. Friday. Right. <laughs> I would love for you to run this on Friday. Like back when I I used to work in energy, right? And so back when I feel like energy was what is now healthcare, because I feel like early to late 2000s, like energy was the same place that healthcare was right now, right? It's very like big and everybody's in it. But they, I have like, I was like a baby, a little PR person. And I swear, like probably every three months on a Friday before a holiday weekend, the EPA would release new guidelines. And I worked in natural gas at the time on like natural gas and it would throw my entire holiday into a tailspin (laughs) because like Mm -hmm. you have to show up, but you're just like, damn you guys, like, why are you doing this to me right now? Mm -hmm. I've spent so many three-day weekends with my laptop sitting on the beach or like on the deck, looking at the beach, thinking I'm supposed to be there, (laughs) but instead I am here because you guys were trying to ruin my life. Right. You're like, you were trying to hide that, but do you realize how many like baby PR professionals that you just send to a weekend frenzy, but they don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, okay, so here's an interesting question. So the election, that's one thing, right? Because that's like nationally speaking, this is a while the election itself was polarizing. I think that the election is one of those media events that the entire country and we saw like you know just by terms of voter turnout right i'm going to assume that the vast majority of the country was dialed into what was happening whereas mm-hmm. there's other events that maybe are not necessarily as all encompassing or they're more polarizing and should you try to enter into the space during that time? So for example, earlier this year when the Black Lives Matter movement happened, right? We, I made the decision for most of my clients that we were not going to speak that day because it wasn't a space that we had any business going into and added any value into it. And thankfully they all agreed, but you know, is that a day you or- the day that, the, You mean the day that they did like the black boxes that people went So it was the that. day that all like- hell broke loose where there was like massive so not the black box day which like that was like another day that i was just like you don't know we're not doing this but (laughs) the day when things started to get like really intense right and it just you know you watch tv Mm -hmm. it's like oh my god what's going on in this world like it felt like the whole entire country was burning um that day we made the decision for a lot of them that anything that we were going to add was going to seem like it was detracting from that 
And also we didn't have any value to add. We were going to look like we were either trying to insert ourselves into a conversation we shouldn't be in or not acknowledging a conversation that was very real that was happening and it was very important at the time. So, you know, when things like that happen, do you say, I'm going to push myself and push my content out there anyways? How, how do we decide? I guess you know, my question is, how do you decide, okay, you know what? It's crowded, but it's, we should still go out there versus it's crowded. It's not, we should not even get into this mess. So I think that the answer depends on who your client is and what's going to be authentic to them, right? So if your client if you are working, if you are a company that should be involved in whatever that big national conversation may be, if you have value to add, and the question should really be, do I have value to add? What am I saying that's different? What am I saying that, you know, I can back up by showing change at my company, um, you know, with my employees, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I had a client who I wasn't sure really needed to be involved in that conversation, but really insisted on being involved in the conversation. So we had to have a lot of talks about making sure that every single word that went out was appropriate. And, you know, the reason that we ended up moving forward was because it was authentic to this client to speak on these kinds of issues, but I wanted to make sure that because of who they were, you know, what they were saying was really well researched and, you know, that we weren't putting out something that people could come back and say, you're not listening to what's happening out here. Um, And so I think it always has to be a game time call based on, you know, who is representing your brand and what your brand stands for. Um, and, and I think there also needs to be an understanding that just because you aren't a part of the conversation in the media doesn't mean that you don't believe in the message that's being put out there. Um, you know, I think there's a difference between trying to insert yourself in the media and communicating with your, you know, doing internal communications around an issue, which I think can oftentimes be more important, um, especially at the beginning of something where you're really trying to wrap your brain and your arms around it. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I like to think about audiences, right? And who are the stakeholders that you're trying to reach? Who are the audience members you're trying to reach? And how how will reaching them either positively or negatively impact them or your message during this time of a crowded environment, right? So, you know, <laughs> going back to your Real Housewives example, um, I'm gonna grossly, grossly overgeneralize. So if you're somebody who's like super into all of the, and I'm like not a Bravo TV fanatic, I'm sorry. Um, but if you're like really closely watching that and it's during the time of the election, you know, maybe if People Magazine wrote a post on that, they are probably like, well, people are still going to read it, right? Because like their audience Mm -hmm. is still refreshing people and they still are like interested in that, right? Whereas maybe you don't necessarily want to put out there anything for that audience during like 
I'm trying to think of like a time when you wouldn't want to put anything out there. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not a Bravo TV person, but like, when would that audience (laughs) not be reachable? Right. Maybe like on the Mm -hmm. weekend, you wouldn't put something out there, but during the week when Mm -hmm. people are like sitting and, you know, going through their regular updates during the day, that's when they would be interested in looking at that. So I think I say all that to say, you have to think really hard about what is the audience that you're trying to reach and what are they being very attuned to right now? Will your message Mm -hmm. reach them? And then how do you get it there, right? Is everything best over social media? Is everything best over, you know, a traditional like media interview? Like, are you sending mailers? What does something like that look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think delivery, literally the, the means that you use to deliver your message is, is so dependent on who exactly you are trying to reach and, you know, what you want to get out there. Is it, you know, do you have a text opt-in option for, you know, a lot of your audience? Like maybe that's going to be something that's better for them. Um, So I think, you know, when companies think about, or when brands, you know, think about how are the ways that we want to make sure that even when it's a really crowded space, we're still reaching our core people um, you know, those are really going to be the things to consider. Are, is that an audience that's more on their phone? Are they more on email? Are they, you know, you know, what is, what is the best way to get in touch with them? Um, you know, are they in front of the TV? Do you need to try to get some sort of news interview? And I think that that's going to make, um, really all the difference with how you can continue to communicate and reach your audience when it's just so, such a crowded space out there. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about text messages for a second. So, okay. So I'm from a swing state and I am not a registered voter in the swing state, but I still have a phone number from that state. Right. And I cannot tell you <laughs> the volume of text messages that I received so in the days leading up. And then like the 48 hours beforehand, I almost threw my phone literally like in the trash was over it right could not handle it um mm-hmm. like the battery was like draining from the volume of text messages right and so i you know i'm here for the text message campaigns like having been somebody who's executed those like click to calls and phone to talk and phone to text rather campaigns mm-hmm. those are valuable you reach people exactly where they are i don't know how you feel but like i feel like they're getting a little sloppy i got so many text messages yeah. that were like hi rebecca hi katie or like, hi, John. <laughs> and I, was like, I get a lot of hi, Richard. I get a lot of, I got, I get a lot of uh, stuff from Richard. Don't know who Richard is. Okay. So this one I was going to ask, cause like every now and then I would get one like, hi, Scott. And like my husband's name is Scott. So like, whatever, like that made sense to me. But the other ones I'm like, you guys, like, this is just laziness, first of all. And second of all, is this even right. effective at this point? Because you're mm-hmm. not necessarily providing anything to me all I'm doing is literally getting mad and hitting stop 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 because it was just driving Mm -hmm. absolutely crazy now text messages I feel like hit their peak and didn't work but you know what I feel like actually did really well for at least it resonated with me so there's a local organization here in my neighborhood called mid-city can and like Mm -hmm. shout out to mid-city can because they are focused on making sure that all the people in the city heights neighborhood where I live have access to 
information and to just wellness things. So I started getting calls from them back in March that were like, Hey, do you need access to groceries? Somebody can come help you. I was like, huh, that's like super nice of you guys. No, but thank you. I appreciate it. And so then every couple of weeks they call, they call just to check in. It's always a really nice person. And then around election day, that's, they started to call to advocate for like democratic candidates. And I was like, okay, you know what? Like you're actually like my, I sit within your like interest group affiliation. I get it. But at the same time, you're was so nice about it. You checked in on me all the way. You formed a relationship with me. And now I'm like really supportive of this. And I never, even when I knew it was them, cause I started saving the phone number because before I was getting annoyed, like who is this calling me? You know, you like Google the phone number before right. you answer it. Um, I started saving it and I would still answer, even though I had nothing to say, but like, I'm good. I already voted. Thanks. Just because I felt like it, it was nice to have that human connection for them. Like I may be overthinking this, but I'm just saying like, I really think that the phone call in that capacity, forming the relationship ahead of time worked more than somebody just sending out a blanket text or hoping it resonated. Yeah. Right. And so I yeah. say all this, this crazy, ridiculous story about my neighborhood to say that the relationship stuff, it actually matters. And I think about mm -hmm. taking the message from this massive national scale until localizing it and making it feel like it mm -hmm. connects and it measures with somebody. And that's the stuff that I think works during a time when there's a really crowded news cycle. If you can make it work mm -hmm. and re make it resonate with one person individually and how it matters to them, and connect with them in a way where you've already built a relationship, you're golden. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the whole point of having a comprehensive media strategy, right? Or, or communications PR strategy is how are you connecting with your audience, your stakeholders in an ongoing way that is authentic to who your brand and what your brand is? So that when these, when it's at a time when you could get drowned out, people are instead looking for your voice. Um, and so when that email comes in, when that text comes in, if that's how you're doing it, when, you know, whatever it is, they see your, you know, post on Instagram, they see it on Twitter, um, you know, people are looking for it and they want to read it. And I think that that's kind of, you know, I think really the, the best way to get a message out in a busy media space is to always be communicating with your stakeholders. And at the end of the day, you know, you need to do it in the way that's going to be the best and most true to who your company brand, whatever it is, is. Right. Like you have to cultivate your audience. It can't just be one-sided. And I think that that's, you know, kind of the, the, whole reason that we focus on this podcast is that I at least feel like a lot of brands and companies are leaning into this very one-sided communication. And that does not result in brand loyalty. It doesn't result in customer engagement. It doesn't result in positive momentum for your policy or for whatever you're looking to achieve. You have to be creating a relationship and make somebody feel like they're bought into what you're doing. And so I you know, I think that the successful people that are capable of breaking through the noise have formed a relationship. They understand if their message is going to make a difference in a positive way, and then think about the channel in which they actually go out and look to share that message. Is it something that they have the ability to own in that moment, or is it something that the the traffic is way too much and it just makes no sense? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, I think, like, as we said, the big takeaway is 
um, you know, communication and, and building a relationship and not just trying to show up when it seems opportunist, when it's opportunistic, um, but, you know, consistently ongoing, um, you know, it's, I mean, it's a friendship, right? So if you are checking in with your friends all the time, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's authentic and it's genuine, but if something really great or really tragic happens to someone and you haven't talked to them in eight months and you decide to call them to either congratulate them or like, kind of like be like, oh, I, I talked to them when they were upset. It's bullshit. And it's, it's, it's the same with brands. And that's how I like to think about it when I'm telling, you know, advising people on what they should be doing. Yeah, no, I think that that's great. Ooh, so you know what I feel like will be a really good topic for us for the future is hmm. social media strategy. Does everybody need one, right? Because I think there's so many, the natural answer is yes, but mm -hmm. why, right? So right. I think that that's something we should definitely explore in the future, social media strategy and what does it look like? Because it's different, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, love it. Let's do it next. Do it next. All right, we'll do it next. Okay, cool. Um, well, uh, I don't want to take up too much of your evening. It's so crazy to me that it's only five, that it's five o'clock there and it's not even two o'clock here. It's insane. It's almost five and it's also almost dark. We're yeah. in sad times. But you know what? Like, this is going to sound so silly. It gets dark here. It's like 20 minutes earlier, but it's like dramatic to me. So because we're further South, this is like geography, right? Um, it literally gets dark here at like 425 right now. And oh, terrible. it will eventually be getting dark at like 4.15. Like we hit like rock bottom at 4.15 and you're just like, what is going on? Why? I thought I moved to California, but no, it'll be like four. Yeah, something. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Well, come back East and, um, you know, have it be dark at five instead of, <laughs> you know, four. it's 40 minutes, right? That so really much better here. <laughs> at least it's warm and dark here. It's freezing. And yeah. Dark. Okay. This is fair. This is true. At least right but now. Fifties. Like so win. Okay. Awesome. Well, it was good to see you and chat with you this week. And I look you forward too. to it.